describes, I think, the first, uh, you could call it the first religious experience in the Torah. Because before Vayetze, Odom, Chava, Kain, Hebel, Avram, Noach, Kavram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, until this point, all interacted freely with God. It was not experiential. It was not something remarkable that they spoke to God or received instruction from God. <coughs> it, was, it was friendly. Even when it was unfriendly, it was friendly. But Yaakov, when he's on his way out of Eretz Yisrael, undergoes a religious experience, something unexpected, and something which at first he doesn't understand, but then he manages to explain it to himself. And you know that later prophecy, later prophecy also, also is judged by the level of comprehension. At least that's the way the Rambam trained us, that you divide up the Nevi'im by the comprehension that they have of their prophecy. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest of all the prophets because everything, all the prophecy he received was clear to him. It was always clear to him what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said. At the other end of the spectrum, you could put Daniel, who prophesied but didn't understand what it was that he was prophesying. There's a whole literature, uh, uh, Jewish religious literature, also Christian religious literature, trying to understand what Daniel was referring to when he kind of gave a date for the coming of the, of the Messiah. So this has been, but he didn't understand it. He says himself that he didn't understand it. And in the middle, Right. Not in time, but in terms of intensity, you have the prophecy of Zechariah. Zechariah was a prophet of the Second Temple period, the beginning of the Second Temple period, and he had an angel who explained the prophecy to him. In other words, he never understood what he saw. He saw the candelabrum and the oil coming into the candelabra. He didn't understand what the prophecy, he, I mean, he knew he was having a prophecy, but he didn't understand if he had to relate it further, he didn't understand what the prophecy meant. But there was an angel who came to him, right, much like in the way of, uh, of Yosef Karo at you know, a later time. He had, there was an angel that came to Zechariah, in, that's in the book of Zechariah, who explained the prophecy to him. So prophecy, prophecy had, according to the Rambam, levels of clarity. Levels of clarity. The highest level of clarity was Moshe Rabbeinu. Right? He understood exactly what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted from him. The lowest level of, or the least clarity, we could say, was Daniel who had a prophecy, but even though he was certainly a prophet, but he didn't understand what his prophecy was. And in the middle is Zechariah, even though Zechariah and Daniel, you know, Zechariah came after Daniel, right? Zechariah 
Daniel was somehow in the time of the Babylonian exile. Right? Dates are difficult, but more or less. And Zechariah was after the Jews came back to Eretz Yisrael, so that in terms of time, right, Daniel came before Zechariah. In terms of the level of prophecy, Zechariah came before Daniel. But both of them are very far away from Moshe Rabbeinu. There's a point in the division of the Rambam, right? I'm not, uh, uh, but, but uh, uh, the interesting point here is that Yaakov, who was one of the Ovos, and spoke freely to God at different times, in this case, in this case, had to interpret what he said. It was, the interpretation was relevatory. That we'll see that in a, in a moment. It's important to, it's important to understand that what happened to Yaakov demanded interpretation. And that changed the nature of the of prophecy. There was, the, because it involves, it, Yaakov was involved. It wasn't like God said to Yaakov. Yaakov had this question, what am I doing here? <laughs> Let's say, I'm making it up. Yaakov had a question, what am I doing here? What do you mean they're kicking me out of Eretz Yisrael? Avraham Avinu left Eretz Yisrael, but then came back. Remember, he went to Mitzrayim and he came back. Yitzchak said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, should I go? And it was Yitzchak thought, right? Yitzchak is the archetypal Vayichlush Dehem Yachdav. You know that they say in English, like father, like son? That was Yitzchak. He was like his father. He was like, he didn't go through the process that his father went. His father started off Avraham. I mean, Avraham Avinu. He started off as an idolater and then became Avraham Avinu. Yitzchak never had that first early stage of idolatry. He just was Avram Avinu. So when the famine came to Eretz Yisrael at the time of when Yitzchak was alive, so Yitzchak said, oh, I'll do what my father does. Did. My father went to Mitzrayim to get a sandwich. I'll go to Mitzrayim and get a sandwich. So HaKadosh Baruch said to Yitzchak, no, don't go to, don't go. Stay, right? Stay here in Eretz Israel. The, I guess, between the lines, the prophecy that God made to Avram Avinu, God told Avram Avinu, this is your land. So it didn't work out quite that way 100% of the time. So HaKadosh Baruch says to Yitzchak, for you it'll be 100% of the time. Right, so that, that Yaakov, Yaakov now has two models. Right, there's the model of Abraham, who left Eretz Israel twice. He actually left twice for a short period of time, and each time proved that he was he was had faith. Chazal call it a nisayon. Right, there are ten nisayonot, the last parak of Pirkei Avot, but not the last parak, the fifth parak, which is the last parak. Right, the sixth parak is an add-on. Not, it's not. I don't mean to say it's not important, but it's not like the rest of Pirkei Avot. So, so uh, the, fifth par- uh, the fifth chapter of Pirkei Avot says that there were asara nisyonot. There were ten tests that Avram Avinu underwent. The first of them, or the second of them, is he went to Mitzrayim. 
he went to Mitzrayim. So now there's a different opinion amongst the, the commentaries whether it was a good thing that he went or not a good thing, whether it showed that he did have faith or he didn't have faith, but the fact that he came back to Eretz Yisrael as soon as he could indicated that he had faith, that he had faith in God and God's promise. He didn't say, well, God made a promise and now there's a famine and the famine is kicking me out of, of Eretz Yisrael. Therefore, the promise doesn't exist. He didn't say that. He said, you know, this is part of the Jewish stubbornness, right, throughout the ages. We always said, right, we always said that. And, and, and somehow the Jews who, who kind of um, remained Jews, the Jews who remained Jews, whoever they were, they were conf- confident about Rishlaim Yerchav Rachim Tashuv, right, which was, which is what created this crisis after the 1967 war, which was, what are we waiting for now? Uh, we have nothing left to wait for. So Rav Tzvi Yehuda, in his remarkable, insightful way, said, every stone, any place, every piece of land. And so people said, great, there's still something to hope for. And there's something to be meshuga about. And so that's what happened. Now, of course, I realize that I'm uh, presenting this in a kind of childish way, but that doesn't mean it's not correct. Sometimes even children are correct. So Yaakov, why have I tell you all this? Because Yaakov, is faced with the dilemma. He's getting kicked out of Eretz Yisrael by Esau. Not only is he getting kicked out of Eretz Yisrael by Esau, but his mother and his father, who certainly know about the fact that Abraham left and that God told Yitzhak to stay, right? His father and his mother, they say, you better get out. You better get out. So what does it sound like? It sounds like the promise has been rendered null and void. The promise that Eretz Yisrael will belong to Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and their descendants. No? We don't see that Yaakov could be in distress. (laughs) Not CPR, but in distress. I mean, he doesn't know who he is all of a sudden. He doesn't know who he is because Avraham was kicked out of Eretz Yisrael by famine. Famine comes from God. So you negotiate with God. But how could it be that Yaakov is being kicked out of Eretz Yisrael by Esau? Esau was an Ovid of Zorah. He did terrible things. He was not, you know, he was certainly not going to inherit the mantle of Avraham Avinu, Esau. Right? Yaakov, he went to yeshiva and he did everything right and he was nice to his parents and he was a good, you know, good young man and a good older man. And he's getting kicked out by Esau. So when Yaakov looks around and has to identify himself, you know, like he says, here I am on the border. All right, he was in near Yerushalayim, it doesn't matter. But he's sort of on the border of live, leaving Eretz Israel. He's on that board. So, so Yaakov says to himself, well, who am I? After all, Avram Avinu was forced to leave the country, yes. But that was repaired with Yitzchak. God told Yitzchak not to leave Eretz Yisrael. And here is Yaakov 
being forced to leave Eretz Israel by the one person in the world who could be called a bad guy. There's only one bad guy, just like there's only one good guy. There's only one bad guy, and that one bad guy is kicking him out of Eretz Israel. So here's Yaakov, and he says to himself, what am I doing here? What am I doing? What, what, what is happening to this whole big dream of the future of the, the, the descendants of Avram and Yitzchak and the land of Israel and the Kolchve Hashem Ein Larov? I mean, what is it that is happening exactly? So you see that Ab, uh, Yaakov came to this place with an existential question of the most serious kind. Because he didn't know if he was the continuing of it or not. He didn't know who he was. He did not know, in spite of the fact that these, we impose upon him these ideas that he learned the yeshiva, he did mitzvahs, that he was good to his parents, etc., etc., whatever, etc., might be. He suddenly says, But if I'm not going to continue the promise, then who am I? Who am I? Why am I being sent back to the beginning, right, to, to the house of, of uh, my mother's family? Why is that? So here we have the beginning of Ayetzeh. The beginning of Ayetzeh, That's the story. Beersheva is the, the family uh, uh, homestead. That's where they lived. Beersheva and Hebron, Alon Moreh. That's Eretz Yisrael of those times, right around there. There is no Yerushalayim. There is no, uh, no Beit HaMikdash, naturally. So you see, Rashi says, the second Rashi, Vayetzi Yaakov mi Beersheva. Too many words, Rashi says. Why do you have to say Vayetze? He went out of and he go, went to. It's enough to say he's going to Beershava, right? I'm sorry, it's enough to say he's going to Haran. Haran, Haranu is a, a, a major town in Babylonia, maybe a city. Why does it say he left Beersheba? Right, you know, Roshem, Roshem is a, a, a word that the Kabbalists liked. They picked up on it, on that word. You know, like words, you can write, you know, the way people use words changes and the importance you give them changes in history. But Roshem is one of those words. You know what a Roshem is if you have a signet ring? Remember those, those days they had wax? You put, you put hot wax on a document and then you impressed a signet ring on it and it left a, an impression. And then you knew when you got the letter or you got whatever, whether it was unopened. Because in order to open it, you had to break the plastic, uh, the plastic, the wax that had this impression on it. So, uh, so that's what a Roshem is. That's what a Roshem is. It's like even though you take the ring away, it leaves a Roshem. Like you know it was there. You know it was there. So, so Rashi says, 
וייצא יעקב מבאר שבע, לא יהיה צריך לכתוב אלא וייעלך חרן, אבל לא מזכיר יציאתו, אלא מגיד שיציאת צדיק מן המקום עושה רושם. It's almost like Rashi is saying, Yaakov is not demoted. Don't, don't make that mistake of thinking that Yaakov here, because he's running away from Esav, is going to go to Haran, that somehow he has been de- demoted from his uh, exalted status as one of the Avot. No, because he left the Roshan. He's like, he's always there. He's always, he's always in Be'er Shava. She'bizman she'atzadik ba'ir hu hoda, hu ziva, hu hadara. Now you also know that those are words that the Kabbalists like. You know, the, those were their words. Hold, ziv, hadar, yatsa misham, pana hoda, pana ziva, pana hadara. Everything goes away, but it all leaves. But he left the Roshem. In other words, there's a difference between saying there was never anything here or saying there was once something here. To say there was once something here, that's Yaakov. So the first thing that Rashi tells us is, before you learn this parasha, before you try to understand what's going on, you should know that Yaakov remained an impression in Be'er Sheva. He was kicked out of Eretz Yisrael by Esau, but he never left Eretz Yisrael, in a manner of speaking. He was always, he was always there. So this is the background. This is what Rashi wants us to take away from, the, uh, from this possum. Okay, then the next postdoc says, That's been a mystery since the postdoc was written. He's sort of like connected to it. He walked into it. He hit his head into it. What do you mean, is superfluous, unnecessary, and therefore probably very, very uh, 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 critical and, and crucial in understanding. So Rashi says, You see the Rashi Pasuk Yud Aleph? Lo makom. Right? You see the vocalization for those of you who think about those things. makom. You see the word ba makom, how it's vocalized? Ba ba patach mem dagesh chazak. You remember upan? No, nobody. So that's be ha ma kom, right? That's how in Hebrew you write be ha ma kom. What's ha? Ha is a definite, a definite article. So you put a definite article onto a word, it means you refer to a specific place. Not a. You could have said the Torah could have said be ma kom. Me would mean some place, but ha ma kom means in the place. And Rashi says. Rashi says, uh, It must be referring to a place that has been mentioned elsewhere. In other words, the Pasuk assumes we know we can make the connection somehow. And what's that place? So here we have it. Yaakov, Yaakov was not at Haramoriah. That's Yitzchak. But now this revelatory event is taking place at Haramoriah. So Haramoriah has become transformed from a place at which 
the sacrifice of Yitzchak almost took place, but Yitzchak was saved by an angel, by God, sending an angel to save him. That's, that's what happened to Yitzchak. And Yaakov comes back to this place where the religious nature of Yitzchak was determined. Yitzchak was by He was absolutely accepting of everything that Avram Avinu had, thought, understood, did. And now Yaakov is getting his chance to connect to his uh, inheritance of his forefathers in Har HaMoriah on his way outside of Eretz Israel. A little confusing for Yaakov. So, uh, uh, so it says, Vayad Okay? Then it says, Rashi further explains, Vayivka Kimo Upagabi Yericho, Pagabi Davshat, Rabotenu Perju Lishon Tfilah. This is the important thing. Rabotenu Perju Lishon Tfilah. That the word Vayivka connects, I mean, Vayivka could mean he, he met up with the place, he came to a place, he, you know, in other words, the, the word is of no great significance. Rashi doesn't like that, because even though he can quote other instances, similar instances, it still it aggravates the use of language. There's an easier word that you use, there's an easier way to say it. So Rashi says to us, Rabbeinu Perashu L'Shon Tefillah, Kilom Gabi. Don't pray to me. Vayivga, vayivga b'makom. He davened in that place. Ve'lamadnu shetikain tefilat arvit. Lamadnu shetikain tefilat arvit. What does that mean? I don't mean. I know what it means. I know you know what it means. What does it mean? What's arvit? Arvit is the tefilah that you daven at night. You daven at night. Avram was metaken shachris. This is quoted in the Rambam, by the way. Avram was quoted, I mean, I mean, uh, when I say it's quoted in the Rambam, I don't think the Rambam quoted it because he liked um, strange ideas. He, he didn't like strange ideas, but it was meaningful in some way. That Avram Avinu was metaken shachris, and Yitzchak was metaken mincha. Now, shachris and mincha are the same thing. Shachrim is the same thing, because according to the Rambam, there's a mitzvah to daven once a day. There's a mitzvah in the Torah to daven once a day. So it could be the Avram Avinu like to daven early in the morning. We know that it says, the Torah says, Ve'eshkeim Avram Baboker, that he got up early in order to do Akedat Yitzchak, from which we learn, the Gemara says in Pesachim, from which we learn that uh, that it's good to do a mitzvah as soon as you can. If you're obligated to do a mitzvah, like you could say, you could bench lulav all day long, right? But we don't do that. We do it in the morning. We get up, we, or we, you know, before halal. We, we, we do the tears. We don't wait till the rest of the day. So there, there is this ethical idea that if you have to do a mitzvah, you should do it as early as you can. Early can in Yerushalayim, the minute is that you, there's a bris milah, you do it early in the morning. You don't wait until Aunt Sadie can come from uh, a lot. You, you, you do it in the morning. I mean, Eidot and Mizrach have a different, different idea. They want Aunt Sadie. But, okay. But there is this idea that you do a mitzvah as soon as you can, as soon as, when you're obligated to do, to do a mitzvah. So Avram Avinu, Shachris, Yitzchak, 
Mincha. This is a, like a good, a good idea. So according to the Rambam, there's no difference between davening shachris and davening mincha, right? Because you only have to daven once a day. According to the Rambam, not today. So I don't, don't get mixed up. Today, you have to daven shachris, you have to daven mincha, you have to daven But I'm talking about prehistoric times. You know, with the dinosaurs? So the Rambam says, when the dinosaurs were walking around the world, the Torah obligated us to daven once a day. When? Anytime during the day. That means that there's no difference between chakras and mincha. You can daven in chakras, you can daven in mincha. Some people like to get up early, some people like to get up late. The point of the Ram is no napkimina. But no one says that me'ikar adin in the Torah, you have to daven marif. In fact, the Rambam quotes, uh, quotes the idea that people didn't daven marif. People daven chakras, but daven mincha, but they didn't daven marif. Then later on, Something happened, and people decided to daven marav also, right? So that's generally the reason that it's given that women, women, it's after all, it's a, a, a mitzvah say shalom is van grama, because davening doesn't really have a time. You can daven any time. So women should daven, should daven, and if they, they, if they accept the idea that they should daven, they should probably daven shachris and mincha. But they don't have to daven marav. Because the, the, I didn't say they shouldn't. But there's a difference between don't have to and shouldn't. They're not equal. So the women, women don't have to daven marv because marv was accepted. It wasn't legislated. It was accepted by the men. You know, the men hang out in shul. So they were there. So they said, okay, let's daven marv. So women were home doing other things. So they, they didn't say that. So women should daven chakras and mincha. And I think, I would say that marim is optional for women. But women have accepted a lot of mitzvahs that they don't have to do. So it's really of no importance. I'm just trying to make the distinction. So now here's Yaakov. Yaakov is in a place he never was before. He's going to have a vision that he, never, that he doesn't understand at first. He's confused about his identity. He's confused that he says, let's have a marim. What's marim? What's the feel of marim? It's not that hard to imagine that somebody will say, light out of darkness, right? Not that hard to imagine. Because shachris and mincha, you daven during the day. You have light, right? It's only mariv that you need the, the, um, the text in your phone, because you can't see, right? Shachris and mincha, you can see. So, 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 Right? So that's what Arvit is. Arvit is at a time of darkness. In darkness, you could either try to escape the darkness by hiding, or you could try to shed light on the darkness. So to say that Davening Mariv, which was never, never really obligatory, was the highest level of davening that you could imagine. Because the davening itself was supposed to change the reality that the people were in. They were dark. It was dark, you know, they were all going to go to sleep. And you go to sleep, you hide from the darkness. You don't want to let it get you. So you close the door and you get into bed and you close your eyes and that's great. And Mariv chases away the darkness. And that was what Yaakov Avinu was doing. Then one more thing, Shana Katuv, 
ולא כתב ויתפלל ללמדך שקצה לו הארץ, כמו שמפורש בפרק גדעון נשה. So the last thing that Rashi says is, is שנה הכתוב ולא כתב ויתפלל, even though the intention of the pasuk is to go to this chazal, the intention of the pasuk is to say, and he davened, Nevertheless, it uses the word vayivka, which is a kind of a stretch to get to vayivdavin, lelamedcha shekavtsalo ha'aretz. He got to where he was going instantaneously. Right? It was a miraculous trip that he, that he made from Beershava to Har HaMoriah, and that's why it says vayivka, because he, both of those things, something happened to him, that indicated to Yaakov that something special was going on, right? I mean, he knew that it was something special, that's why you've got, and, and so he doubted to chase away the darkness, right? To take uh, uh, the dark, darkness that it says in, that, in the Pesach, Kiva uh, HaShemesh, you see the next Rashi? The sun went down. It says, It suddenly the sun set. The sun set instantly. So you see, the sun set, it was dark, he was davening Marib. He, he was he traveled miraculously through space just to get there. I mean, many indicators that something very special was going on. But we don't know yet what that very special thing that was going on was. But we know, according to Rashi, that something very special was going on. So we have this mysterious vision that Yaga, I told you, Visions are either comprehensible or they're not comprehensible. For Moshe Rabbeinu, whatever God told him was understood. For Daniel, what, what the vision that he saw was not, compre- not comprehensible. What about this? What about this? I'm skipping a few Rashi's, even though I shouldn't. But I'm skipping them anyway. You see Olim V'yordim? bet the third white line in the Rashi. Olim T'chila. According to Rashi, the same angels. Uh, it sounds like the same. They go up and then they come down. This must be if Yaakov is standing and saying, you know, the angels of Eretz Yisrael are leaving me. And instead of getting the angels of Chutzlars, that doesn't sound. I mean, it depends how you look at it. To me, it doesn't sound good. You know, like it must be better to be in Eretz Yisrael than to be in Chutzlaretz. Otherwise, you could interpret it differently. You could say that this is like, you know, the changing of the guard in Buckingham Palace. But, I, but that's what Rashi says. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. Look at Pasuk Yud Gimel. V'hinei Hashem Nitzav Alav. V'hinei Hashem Nitzav Alav. Now what could that possibly mean? It's got to mean something. God is, is placed upon it. Now here's Yaakov. He's looking at the Malachim Olivyodim. God is, you know, it's like a Rembrandt painting. You know, God is like up there, atop of the ladder. 
הנה השם ניצב עליו ויאמר, God says, speaks, אני, excuse me. אני השם אלוקי אברהם אביך ואלוקי יצחק, הארץ אשר תשכב אומר, לך אתננה ולזרעך. So there's the vision and then there's the content. And Yaakov must be relieved to find out that God says that the promise to Avraham and to Yitzchak is being passed on to you, Yaakov. Remember there was this question in the previous parasha about the bracha that Yitzchak was going to give to Esav. Remember that story? It was last, last week. Or if you prefer to think about it, in 51 weeks, we will do it again. So there was this, this uh, bracha that Yitzchak was supposed to give to Asa and Rivka went into a state of panic. And she worked it out that the bracha got to Yaakov and not to Asa. But you know that this obviously was not the bracha of Abraham. I mean, the Rivka may have made a mistake. We spoke about that. Rivka may have made a mistake. And that the, the, how do I know that Rivka made, made a mistake? Because, because after all, Rivka, Yaakov gave, I'm sorry, Yitzchak gave Yaakov the bracha, his bracha, special bracha, at the end of the parasha. Before, he said to Yaakov, you gotta, gotta get out of here because your brother is uh, wild. So he gave him the bracha, but here again, HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'chvodo V'atzmo says, אלוקי אברהם אביך ואלוקי יצחק ואשר אתה שוכב עליה לך אתננה ולזרעך. That the promise that God made to Avram Avinu, God is transferring here to Yaakov. It's the promise of Haaretz and the Zerah. והיה זרעך כפר הארץ. You ever hear that? And your, your uh, progeny will be like the dust of the earth, which means a lot. And you'll have a lot of land. That's Ufaratsta, right? Next pasuk, so as we read the Psukim, everything becomes normalized. Yaakov becomes Abraham. Yaakov becomes Yitzchak. Here he is with talking to God. He's talking to God and God is telling him, you know, remember, remember what I said to Abraham? I'm saying it to you. Remember what I said to Yitzchak? I'm saying it to you. But it becomes more difficult to understand because you know, the, what the vision was about. What, what do you need the ladder and the Malachim, Olivia, Odeim, and God said he, I mean, Avram Avinu didn't have that. Avram Avinu didn't see God sitting on top of a ladder. He didn't see Malachim, Olivia, Odeim when he went to Mitzrayim. What was the point here? Well, what is the point of the story? Of the story of the vision? That's what I mean. Since, since Yaakov doesn't have to understand anything. If Yaakov Avinu was nervous about who he is in Jewish history, what he's going to become, here HaKadosh Baruch Hu straightens it out. It's, it's, it's answered. There's no question. And if there's no question, what would be so terrible if God came to Yaakov while he was sitting around in Haram Moriah and said to him, okay, 
you're the future, you're going to get it, okay, there's a little detour, you go to Haran, but you'll come back and everything will be fine. What are the Malachim Olivier Dim doing in the story? And what is it that God is doing sitting on top of the ladder? I mean, why? Why is that part of the, of the story? And finally, the finally you have this. Pasuk Tetzayin, Vayikatz Yaakov Mishnato. And so this was a dream that Yaakov had. He got up from his slumber, Vayomer Achein. Achein means yes. Yes. Yesh Hashem Bamakom Hazeh. God is here, Vanochi Lo Yadati. No one ever said that. Avram never said that. Either Avram. Isn't Avram the one who, who, who came to the conclusion that God is God, that there's only one God, that God created the world? What did you mean? Oh, Achen Yesh Hashem Vanochi Lo Yadati. I mean, that's idolatry. That is real idolatry as the Rambam explained it. People had an idea. And then they built a temple. And they said, the idea is they're in the temple. You go into the temple, you have the idea. You walk in the street, you don't have the idea. Avraham Avinu said, it's every place. There's, the God is, is wherever you look, wherever you are. It's all, it's all there. That's what, that's what monotheism means. It doesn't just mean that there is one God. That, but it means that the one God is in charge of everything. That's what Avraham Avinu discovered according to Chazal. So what is he talking about in Dati? Why he never went to, to Shir? He never talked to his rabbis? He never asked the question? What is Anochi Loyadati? Last Pasuk. Vayira Vayomar. Vayira, he was afraid. But you know, Yira is a religious response. Right? Yira Chamayim. Yira is, uh, is the most fundamental religious uh, response. It's, it's the word that describes recognizing that you're in the presence of God. That's the word. The word yira. There's no other word. There's no other word in Hebrew that, that does it. Uh, yira equals I am in the presence of God and my response is, is yira. Not, I'm not afraid of what's going to happen to me, but sometimes you're afraid of, because of the enormity of the situation. You're nervous, right? You go to see some very important person for some reason, you might be nervous about it. I don't know what the word nora, no, nora yare, yira. In other words, this makom, this makom generates in me yira. This is only, or this must be only Beit Elohim, the house of God, and I've come to a place that I didn't know could exist. And what is that place? I mean, I've had to take a guess. I mean, it doesn't say in the puzzle. What place is, could you say, about what place could you say, about the Beit HaMikdash, right? There's nothing else. You, you can't say that about anything else. Now, there is no Bayit, and there is no Sha'ar, but, but, 
but what Yaakov is saying is, right, he's saying, I understand that in this world, which I am part of, I have a promise from God that I'm part of this world, there is going to be a Beit HaLokim and there is going to be a Shah Shemaim available to everybody. That was his lesson. That's what he learned that no one else knew, that the Ovos did not yet know. And the Ovos, I mean Avram and Yitzchak and, and, and Sora and Rivka, they didn't know this. He knows this. He knows this. Okay, Rashi says, Okay, Beit Elokim. You see, Paul will try it. Ki in Beit Elokim. We're not going to have time. I'll have to come back. You want to stay for another hour. There's no hope. Ki in Beit Elokim. Amar Rabbi Lozor b'Shem Rabbi Yosi b'Zimra Sulam Azel made b'Be'er Sheva ve'Emtza Shipu Ol Magia Keneged Beit Hamikdash she'Be'er Sheva made b'Dramashel Yehuda v'Yerushalayim b'Tzvona b'Gvul she'Ben Yehuda b'Nyamin. So Rashi is explaining something by quoting Chazal. What is he explaining? He's saying why the ladder is important. Because the ladder, according to Rashi, see my elbow is in Be'er Sheva. And my fingers are opposite Beit El. And here in this part of my hand, which hasn't got a particular name, is Yerushalayim. <coughs> so the ladder is somehow a connector. Uh, what it connects exactly, basically, but, but, right, but it, it connects. It connects Jewish history until that time with the future of Jewish history. Jewish history until that time was Be'er Sheva, Hebron, till Beit El, that's where the Jews lived, in those places. Okay, a little bit in Shechem, but Shechem was problematic, so we crossed out Shechem. Right, but you know, I'm going from south to north, right? Be'er Sheva, Hebron, Yerushalayim, Beit El. And the latter, this is what, what Chazal quotes this Gemara, that's, that's what it was. Sadiq Zebala Beit Malonibi Patebalolina. Oh, okay, I, I, I would like to learn this, Rashi, but let's learn the last one. Since we, we learned about the latter, I mean, even though we don't understand, the last two lines of the Rashi. How fearful is it in this place? Dechilu, Shem Davahu, Dechilu is a noun, according to Rashi. Kamo, Suchlat. You see Rashi? Yaakov invented Mariv in order that he should be able to take advantage of Zeshar HaShamayim. Because if he's in Shara Shamayim, you might as well David. And since Avram said you David in the morning, and Yisrael said David in the afternoon, Yaakov had no choice but to invent a tefillah at night in order to take advantage of the fact that he was standing in Shara Shamayim. Mechom tefillah lalot tefillatama shamayma. Umedrasho. means Rashi. It's not exactly what the words say, but it is correct. Rashi is not, Rashi is not an entertainer when he says Medrasho. He's not trying to tell you something cute. He's saying, Medrasho means, 
It's not the words, but it's correct. It's true. What's true? Shebeit HaMikdash Mala Mechuvan Kenege Beit HaMikdash Mata That Yaakov Avinu not only discovered the Makom of the Beit HaMikdash, but in some way he was in the Beit HaMikdash. Because we know that Chazal had this idea that there was a Beit HaMikdash Mala which was parallel somehow to the Beit HaMikdash And even though the Beit HaMikdash Mata had not yet been built, and not yet the Beit HaMikdash Mala existed, it certainly existed already. I mean, what, what difference does it make? Uh, you know, it has nothing to do with building, you know, the Beit HaMikdash and the Lamata. So, so this is Yaakov. Yaakov is being transformed. He's learning things. We get to understand things. Now, all of these things that I said, all these things that I said are more or less summarized. If you turn the page, more or less, summarized, directed, spoken, done by uh, Rav Nossam. Rav Nassim, the erstwhile student of Rav Nachman of Braslav, who wrote a humongous work called Likutei Halachot. I told you. Didn't I tell you? Tell us again. <laughs> I mean, I like the story. Rav Nassim went to Rav Nachman Erev Pesach and said, you know, I'm, I'm your student and I'm a, you know, I write up all the stuff you write. And I would like to write a Torah also on my own, but I mean, I want permission from the Rebbe to write a Torah. So Rav Nachman said, okay. It was Eric Pesler. Rav Nachman said, okay, but I want you to chazer over to review Talmud Bavli and Talmud Yerushalmi, all of Sifrut Chazal and all the Kabbalistic works we ever studied. So Rav Nachman said, okay. And then Erev Shavuos, he went to Rav Nachman and he said, okay, I did it. Can I write a Torah? So Nachman said yes. That means from Pesach to Shavuos, he learned Kola Tarakula. You know, Davyomi, they do, they do the Talmud Bavli in seven years. So he was a little quick. <laughs> Rav Kook in Volozhin, Rav Neria writes that Rav Kook in Volozhin learned 60 Dav Kimura a day. And part of it, not all day. Well, he had a Seder in the Kiyut. And the Bikiyut Seder was 60 Dabu Gemara a day. So I always said, I always said, anybody could do that if you knew the 60 Dabu already. Yeah. It's only if you try to learn something that you didn't know that you have trouble with it. I guess Rav Cook knew it, knew this stuff. Anyway, here's Rav Nossam. Rav Nossam has a running commentary in a book called the Kutei. Alachot, in the section on Tfilat Mincha. It's a very interesting book, by the way. It tries to kind of integrate uh, Halacha and, uh, and Rav Nachman. And along the way, he explains things that Rav Nachman only mentioned briefly. You know, so he has like long explanations of those things, and basically it becomes him. Zeh, I'm reading. He, he walked into the place, he hit the place, he, it, was, it was like a, a showstopper, right? What is it that, the, what was the makom? Right, he saw that there would be a third Beit HaMikdash. What is he talking about? What, why did he see the third Beit HaMikdash? 
because he, Yaakov Avinu, was setting the stage. What, what do you call that in computer language? The, uh, the computer the guys say, oh, I'm not a computer guy. The, uh, for default. The default is, is uh, after all, Yaakov Avinu was going to Chutzlaretz. And the Ramban says he was preparing the way for Am Yisrael to go into exile. And then he would come back from Chutzlaret Eretz Yisrael. So when he went to Chutzlaret, that was Chorben that was, that was Mitzrayim, Chorben Beis HaMikdash HaRishon, and Chorben Beis HaMikdash HaSheni. When he came back to Eretz Yisrael, he was preparing the way for the permanent return of the people to Eretz Yisrael, and that's associated with Bayit Shlishi. The, 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 the temple that will not be destroyed. So that's what Rav Nachman says. And at that moment, Yaakov understood the, the, the power of the bitterness of the Arichuta Galut, the long drawn out exile, Shayemi Kodem, Shezel Bechinat Vayalen Sham, Kiba Shemesh, that that's what the Pasig means when it says he lived, he dwelt there because the sun went down. Shemerameis, I'll remember what we said, Al Cheshkat, the darkness of the bitterness of the exile beguf for nefesh in body and soul commotion now shura botenu zikronam levracha umuvabid varav zikronam levracha so you see that Yaakov in the words of the of, of Rav Nosen becomes a paradigm for Jewish history because a paradigm and, and you know that Rav Nachman was very concerned about the fact that the exile that our exile, the exile, not our here, the exile, the exile in Englewood, that the exile in Englewood is going on for so long that it went on for, it's gone on for thousands of years, whereas the first exile in Mitzrayim was several hundred years, and the exile of Babel was only 70 years or 50 years, right? And now we're in an exile of thousands of years, and so, so there's got to be something you see the fourth line? Yaakov Avinu knew that he had to do something. That the, that the exile should not go on forever. They enter what, what the Chazal called the Roman exile, right? The exile of the Bayechini should not go on forever. That darkness should not engulf Am Yisrael forever. And so what did he do? What did he do? He davened he daven Marath. He davened the Tefillah, which was not necessary, but he at the moment could not do anything else. There's nothing else that Yaakov could do. And that's what, that's what he did. And then the Pasuk says he took the stones and he put it under his head. 
בחינת הניצוצות והנפשות הנפולים שהם בחינת תשתפכנה אבני קודש בראש כל חולצות הפוסק של איכו all of the people and all of the souls they're all unhappy והתשתפכנה and they will pour out the holy stones at the at the heads of all of the of the, of the courtyards vayasem mirashotav she'elam u'kisharam b'machshavto akdosha he kind of thought about all of them of all the people and all of history so I mean what is Rav Nosson talking about he's talking about the idea of a Rebbe he's talking about Rav Nachman of Braslav he's talking about the person who's able to somehow deal with everybody. Uh, have compassion for everybody in the world. And when that compassion, that was what the people talked about, that he had ultimate passion. He had passion for every Jew. And that you, he almost was able to bring the Mashiach. But that's the story about the Badichava, right? He was almost, I mean, a lot of people, it's told about a lot of people that they almost managed to bring the Mashiach because Rav, Rav Nachman and Rav Nosson thought that the time had come for the Mashiach, it's not a Lubavitcher idea, that the time had come for the Mashiach, what we were missing was the push, a little push, a little something had to happen in order for the Mashiach to come. This is a very popular idea. So who paved the way for this idea, according to Rav Nosson? Yaakov Avinu. When did he pay the, pave the way? By davening Marev. In other words, he didn't have to daven Marev. It wasn't part of the obligatory nature of mitzvot as it would turn out in the, in the future, but to shed light on the darkness was something that Yaakov felt himself motivated to do. Of course, he knew that he would be part of history. He, God had told him that, that it would be part of, of, of history. He put it at his extremities. Raz, and then I'm in the seventh line, the end of the line. That's I mean, this is this is he talking about a rebbe? What what is one of the features of a rebbe? Like one of the things that the Rebbe can go down really low, can be with the lowest of the low, the people who, who seem to have no connection and no, uh, don't respond to, 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 your, uh, uh, to your request to, to kind of improve. But the Rebbe can go down there and pull, pull them up. You know, remember the story of Nachman and the chickens? If you don't remember, it doesn't matter. A person has to go up level by level, step by step, just like, just like the Sulam. And then he goes on to say that this is all, all of the things that I'm explaining, all the things I'm, expl uh, I'm explaining about the parasha can be classified as itaruta diletata. It was, it was Yaakov Avinu who invented it, who invented the idea of itaruta diletata, which is, what is the idea? Like you could think God speaks to man. And God says, oh man, you didn't do so good. 
you should improve, or man, uh, do a mitzvah. That's how one way of looking at it. Tarutalitata means that man can create a reality in which God will be participatory. So when you say that, when you say that Avram Avinu is chesed, we say that Avram Avinu is chesed, it doesn't mean that Avram Avinu did a mitzvah that could be classified as chesed. But by doing chesed, Avram Avinu brought chesed into the world. In other words, heaven was not committed to chesed unless we were committed to chesed. So itaruta de letata, the hit orerut mi lemata, hit orerut the, what's hit orerut? What? Awakening. Oh, that's good. Awakening. Like, like if, if we do chesed, and there's some things that we know, we know that are good, that we know that we should do them, we do them, then heaven responds. That's in Taruta de Letata. So who invented the Taruta Letata? Yaakov Avinu. When did he invent it? When he davened Marev. Because Yaakov Avinu looked around and said, Oy vey, this is like a terrible situation, I better do something. Better do something that'll indicate that we deserve more, that we deserve better. And that's why Rav Nachman had this fixation on davening. Davening right, davening good, davening well. He thought that the davening amongst, not only davening, but he thought that if all of Am Yisrael would daven properly, that the, that the redemption, that we would be redeemed. And therefore, and he learned that that was from Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu was the Rebbe who said, when everything is dark and nothing seems to be working out and you're not able to move in the right direction, because when all of that is true, daven Marev. Because Marev is, represents uh, the light in the darkness. Because you, act, you can't daven Marev until it's dark. And Rashi said, well, Kiva Shemesh, it was dark. And Yaakov Avinu recognized the fact that he had to do something. And so, uh, and so he did it. Uh, so that's why God is Nitzavah love. That's why God is Nitzavah love. I mean, I, I, I don't have time to go through. This is like a wonderful, a wonderful thing, this passage. But uh, you don't have to believe me. The, 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 God was standing there because Yaakov because was Davri Marev. Because he caused the presence of God. It wasn't, you know, first there is the presence of God. And then God speaks to, to Yaakov and says to him, da, 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 everything will be all right. But the presence of God was there in this, in this event because Yaakov Avinu, because Yaakov Avinu davened, davened Mara. And he said, there's got to be light. And suddenly he saw in the light that he had created, he saw God Nitzav Allah. On this, on this ladder, uh, with the malach, malachim going up and going down, and uh, the Rav Nelson says, going up and going down. That's how it is in life. You can make a mistake and go down, but if you go up, right, you can bring the light. Davidi Marev, Yaakov Avinu. Okay, have a good shabbos.